Welcome to the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast. I'm Cheryl McColgan, founder of Heal, Nourish, Grow. The website, this show, and our newsletter all focus on making the science of advanced nutrition and greater overall health accessible to everyone. Buckle up for our latest episode to get ideas, tools, and practical knowledge you can use to improve your health and move towards your perfect version of ultimate wellness. The Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast shares interviews with nutrition experts, health researchers, and everyday people that have changed their lifestyle and nutrition to support greater health. You'll learn how to implement lasting change and create new habits that support greater wellness and a happier, healthier life. Please visit HealNourishGrowPodcast.com for full show notes and links to our guests. Courtney Lilich was born and raised in Southern California with six other brothers and sisters. She has been active her entire life with hobbies such as high school and college basketball, weightlifting, boxing, Spartan mud races of 3 to 15 miles long, and most recently, bodybuilding bikini competitions. She is 100% a gym rat and loves working out and challenging her body. She has a doctorate of physical therapy degree, athletic trainer, and strength and conditioning certifications. She was diagnosed with type 1 juvenile insulin-dependent diabetes at age 3. Diabetes is a big challenge with being highly active and requires more planning and adjustments than a non-diabetic. She currently uses an insulin pump and CGM, continuous glucose monitor, showing the fellow diabetes community that staying healthy and active is still possible regardless of this autoimmune disease, and it's something that she loves to promote. As far as her diet, she found that the keto lifestyle works amazing for leveling out her blood sugar, although she misses all the tasty high-carb treats. With the current COVID-19 pandemic, she has learned how to adjust to this crazy timeline and restrictions that we're all dealing with, but has been able to stay very active and focused focused on foods that fuel her body the right way in correlation with her diabetes and fitness goals. Welcome everyone. I'm joined here today by Courtney. Uh, Courtney is a wonderful lady that I have been following for a while on Instagram and she utilizes the keto lifestyle to help manage her type 1 diabetes. So welcome Courtney. Hi, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Um, if you could maybe just start out by, um, obviously if people are listening to this on the audio version, I read your bio and so they already know a little bit about you, but can you say kind of in your own words uh, a little bit about your background and how you came to start eating in this way? So I'm type 1 diabetic and I've been insulin dependent since I was 3, so now I'm 38, so it's been quite a while. <laughs> And because I'm, I, I'm very active, I do bodybuilding and boxing and all, all kinds of workouts and exercises. So that sounds great, like, oh, you're, so, you're gonna be so healthy, but it's hard to manage the, the blood sugar levels. They go up and down, up and down. And so, you know, our doc, my doctor, my endocrinologist has always had a hard time with me in particular. Um, my A1C levels haven't been great. And then I also have a coach for my bodybuilding uh, competitions. And I did competitions probably for four or five years. And then my body just was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with it for a while. So I still, I, I kept, you know, I still have a coach. And my body just wasn't responding to the usual diet and workout regimen that typical bodybuilders use, like with carbs. Mm -hmm. um, and the diabetes, I think, is part of that too. So he just said, probably in like 2019, I never even like really heard of keto before. I've heard of it, but in my head it was like, oh, all you do is eat almonds and like butter and <laughs> fat 
would never want to do that ever. But then he mentioned it and he said, hey, have you heard of keto? Let's, we should just try it out. And I, you know, I read more about it and it's not a, like I said, it's not a typical bodybuilder's diet. Um, so I said, why not? Let's just try it. And then I, I realized it was good for blood sugars and I kind of just, I really, it, it was really hard. It was really hard to switch over. But I'm, I'm super focused and dedicated if I'm trying to do something. So I was on it for like a year, and it helped my blood sugar levels, and I was able to lose some weight on it. And, yeah, that's how I kind of fell into it. That's awesome. Well, so just to uh, give some people background, so maybe some people listening to this aren't as, I mean, I think everybody at this point is pretty familiar with type 2 diabetes, which is an adult onset process usually brought on by poor metabolic health and sometimes is a result of years of abusing your body with like a lot of processed foods and a lot of sugar. But type one is quite different because it's really considered an autoimmune disease, correct? Yeah, yeah. So so at some point your body basically had attacked your pancreas and your body is no longer able to make any insulin at all. So is that how you would characterize the difference? Yeah, so when I tell people, because people that aren't familiar with, like, the two different types, uh, they say, but, but you look so healthy, like, you don't look like you're diabetic, but that's the problem, it, it's, you could, you could be super healthy, but if it's not immune disease, it's still, it's still attacking the pancreas, and no matter what, you're never going to start, start having that insulin ever again, so, um, unless there's some kind of cure, which, of course, I'm always hoping for, it's, Pretty much, I don't know anything else because I've had it for so long. So I have, I have to have it. I have an insulin pump, and also a, a continuous glucose monitor, which is which is kind of a recent development in the past few years. Um, so, but I always have to have the insulin uh, attached to me. I I can't make any whatsoever. So, and because this is also new, a new idea to some people, I've done some reading of the research and um, seeing as you have a background, you have a doctorate degree in, um, was it, remind me again, it's uh, oh, physical therapy, uh, right? But, yeah, I have a doctorate in physical therapy and then my undergrad's in athletic training and then I got a certification in strength and conditioning. So obviously you've had a lot of education <laughs> in how the body works, how physiology works, right? And yet yeah, for some yeah. reason it wasn't until the last couple year or two that you heard about, you know, possibly using a diet like keto to manage your blood sugar. So I'd be really interested to hear what your experiences was as you transitioned into keto and how managing your blood sugar has changed since you changed your diet. Well, the level Again, I'm not like my A1C still is not perfect because I still work out a ton and we're, it's always a process for me. Um, but I noticed with the keto, like when I first, first started it, the first week, like my blood sugar levels were like perfect and they didn't like go up and down and up and down. And it's just because you basically take those carbs out because when you have the carbs, it spikes the body to have the insulin and then things kind of go all over the place. Um, but my A1C level did go down initially, and then my body just wasn't responding. After I was on keto for like a year, so my coach said, well, let's go off it for a while, do the carbs. And then I noticed everything was spiking again, like the second I stopped keto. So I went off of keto probably for like four or five months at the beginning of 2020, and I said, hey, I want to go back on, I want to go back on keto. I want to see if maybe I just needed to be off it for a little bit. 
And so I've been back on it for eight weeks now, and I lost like five pounds, and then my A1C level went down. So, and and also just in case, I think probably people that are listening to this are pretty familiar with A1C, but that's actually your average blood sugars over the last three months, right? Yeah. And so what would be typical in trying to manage your diabetes before? Like what was your A1C before you really started to get a good handle on it? Um, Well, it's very high still, but just going, so I had spiked up when I went back on carbs. So it was at 8.9, which is very, very high. Mm -hmm. Um, but then after only seven weeks on keto, it went down to eight, eight-ish. Mm-hmm. So that's a big, like, that's a big jump down, decrease right. just in seven weeks. And my doctor wants me around, like, 7.0. But non-diabetics are probably 5 to 6.0. If you've been around my content for a while, you know that one of my favorite things is making and eating gourmet food and pairing it with wine. You might think you can't enjoy wine, though, while trying to lose weight or stay in ketosis. And if you're drinking traditional wine, you might be right. So many wines are mass-produced and full of sugar and other garbage additives that can wreak havoc on your health goals and just make you feel bad. Fortunately, I discovered Dry Farm Wines. I've been drinking their wine for years now, and I love this company. They individually test small batch wines produced by vintners that are committed to the practice of dry farm production. Some of my favorites have been the Blaufrancish variety from Austria and all of the wines from the Loire Valley in France. Dry farm wines are free from excess sulfites and mold that can cause adverse reactions and hangovers. With no added sugar, each wine is tested to be under one gram of sugar in the entire bottle. Yep, you just heard that right. There's less than one carb in the whole bottle of wine. They're also slightly lower alcohol, which means you can enjoy a delicious wine pairing at dinner any given night and not end up with a hangover. You can receive an extra bottle for just a penny with your first order by visiting dryfarmwines.com slash heal nourish grow. I'd love to hear what your favorite wine is after you try it and be sure to tag me on social with pictures of your wine and delicious dinners. Again, that bottle of wine for a penny is at dryfarmwines.com slash heal nourish grow. Yeah, actually, I think I have to look at the reference range and maybe I can like put that in text here on the video, but I think Mine has been in the fours since I've been on yeah. keto. It's, but I'm not, oh, I'm, so I'm, not I'm not type one diabetic though, so that's a little easier for my body to accomplish. Um, yeah. But I think you actually start getting out of the reference range, maybe in the high fives. I, I know six is definitely like diabetic or pre-diabetic. So yeah. for most people, they want some kind of range between maybe like four and a half and five and a half, something like that. So because you don't have a pancreas, obviously your body has more of a challenge in maintaining that level. Yeah, that is. All, all my other, like all my other lab work, blood work, everything else is perfect, but it's it's always that A one C that because uh, I'm diabetic, so right. I, I, I'm always trying trying to control it, try, but still do the workouts and everything I love to do. So hopefully, hopefully it keeps going lower and lower if I stick to the keto. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to follow up with you because I think before, how long had you been on it the first time that you tried it? Because you initially tried it more for the bodybuilding than for blood sugar management, right? Yeah, yeah, and then I just happened to see how good it did go on the keto. And I mean, nothing against my endocrinologist, but no one had ever mentioned keto to me for diabetes management. Right. And But it was my coach that actually was the one that brought it up. And I'm like, oh my God, this is helping both. So. Right. That's how I, that's why I liked it. It was like two things in one. Yeah, no, that's pretty amazing. 
Um, and just for other background information on managing diabetes, so you have, I think you told me you have an insulin pump, correct? That's like basically right. kind of installed in your body at this point. Um, and then use the continuous glucose monitor. So um, for those that aren't familiar with the continuous glucose monitor, it's something that goes, I've, I've had one too, you probably saw that just for um, like for fun or for, for purposes what? like what I write about is it, I tried one. It goes on the back of your arm. It um, actually has a little teeny, and it doesn't hurt to put it on, but it has a teeny little pin that like goes into your interstitial fluid, which is actually a proxy for your blood sugar. It's not a direct measure, but it's it basically shows trends throughout the day. So maybe can, did you have the glucose monitor um, prior to uh, trying keto or no? Prior to keto, I had just started it. Um, yeah, I had just started it. So I haven't had the, C, the, the glucose monitor, the CGM. I haven't had it that long. Okay. But, so, but the, like this is the insulin pump. Oh, nice. So that, this, is, this is what gives me my insulin. I've had this for a long time. And so does it, does that kind of monitor your blood sugar as well? Or you just release that when, when you need it? Well, the, the CGN, the glucose monitor talks to that insulin pump and now, which is what makes it so great. It talks to the insulin pump and it kind of adjusts the insulin levels for me. And it, you know, that's something else that's been kind of helping with my blood sugar levels along with the PO. Mm -hmm. So that's a more, um, kind of a more, automatic thing somewhat now that it used to be having yeah. it attached to the continuous. And so what did yeah. you notice, if anything, with the continuous glucose monitor? What were some things that you were surprised about? Uh, I think like most people get kind of freaked out um, when they test their blood sugars because they don't know that exercise increases your blood sugar level, right? Which is maybe one yeah. of the challenges that you have with your A1C because you do work out a lot. Um, so maybe you yeah. could talk about that relationship and what you noticed on the monitor. Well, what I was, what I was noticing was that I would do cardio, and it, I, you can see like the graph of your blood sugar, and it would start like dropping. And I, I didn't even know this before I had the the glucose monitor. But then I noticed when I started lifting weights, because I'll do cardio, then I'll go lift some weights. When you lift weights, it it makes the body release the glycogen out of the muscle, and which starts increasing your your levels. So. So it, it really helped me to be like, okay, my blood sugar is dropping. Maybe I should stop the cardio right now and switch over to lifting the weights so that I don't have to eat something instead. Right. And make things, yeah. So I'm trying to do it without eating and spiking any more insulin. No, that's very interesting but. application of that. <laughs> like probably something most people wouldn't think about. No. Um, and you also did some, um, when you're saying like bodybuilding, I also noticed you did bikini contests at one time. Is that something you're still doing? Uh, so yeah, it was a bikini division that I did. I, gosh, I did a ton of, ton of different shows and it requires a lot of working out and diet and you count your macros and it's very specific and I, I kind of fell in love with it. So I did a lot of those shows, but the last one I did was in 2018. And I said, well, I, like I did it for years in a row. So I said, I got I to take a break. So I took a break, but I'm still doing all the, the crazy workouts and, and the dieting too. I'm hoping at some point I might be able to go back, but for now it's just the workout. Yeah. And how was that when you would do the shows with, you know, having the insulin pump and did, did you notice that the stress of di doing a show had any impact on how you were feeling and blood sugars and that sort of thing? Oh, yeah, especially on show day because you're, you're just really stressed out and 
Um, so my, my blood, I didn't have the CGM at that time, so I would just take my blood sugar levels like with a, a finger prick, and it would be like in the 300s, like when I'm about to walk out on the stage, and it's just, it was crazy because you didn't want it to be super low, because if you get low, then, you know, you get foggy and dizzy, and you can't, you might fall on stage, and you don't want to do that, so you're like eating candy on the side just to make sure you're fine, and... It, yeah, it's very stressful. Like, and then once you're done with the show, of course, all the bodybuilders, the first thing they want to do is eat donuts and <laughs> go get a hamburger. My thing was nachos. So I would try to take a ton of insulin after my show and try to counteract everything that my body hadn't been eating for months. Right. And it, it just like the roller coaster was with the blood sugar levels. Was, it was difficult. Well, yeah, more challenging for you than somebody that is not diabetic, obviously. But I think it's oh, something yeah. that's underappreciated by people is the, you know, the effect of stress and sleep on blood sugar management. And I think that becomes more apparent when you wear a continuous glucose monitor, whether you're yes. diabetic or not, because you can see how individual situations affect your blood sugar outside of food, you know. Well, and then, like, have you heard of, like, the, the dawn phenomenon? Yes. When you first wake up? Yeah. So I didn't even, you know, I was just like, I don't pay attention, I wasn't paying attention to that, but because of the CGM, it was kind of showing me when I first wake up, it would go up, and I was like, oh, wow, that's, I just didn't realize this stuff was happening, and I work out really early in the morning, so that kind of helped, because it would go up a little bit, and then i do my cardio, and that would kind of lower it a little bit, you know, it's just a bunch of trial and error with um, what little things that could affect your blood sugar level that people don't realize because especially if they're not diabetic because right. their body just kind of reacts to it right so and it's like i have to every i think there's i read something that diabetics have to make like 300 decisions a day or something wow. based on what they're eating how much they're eating the insulin they have to take what's affecting it right <laughs> so yeah, and I will say, I think especially, at least for, you know, type 2 diabetics, they still make insulin, so it's a little different. So once they start really evening out their blood sugar throughout the day, that takes away a lot of decision-making, at least in the type 2's case, because yeah. you no longer, when you don't have those spikes, you don't have those hangry episodes anymore, you don't have that, you know, funny, woozy feeling like you're getting hypoglycemic, and it's just like everything's very easy, uh, and it, yeah. it makes decisions a lot <laughs> Yeah. And then sometimes people like for food, people like I, I stay away. Well, definitely because of keto, I don't eat pasta, like real pasta kind of stuff. But before keto, like I stay away from bread and the starchy stuff anyways, because it wasn't worth it because it would just like spike the blood sugar up so high that I, I didn't know really how to do it. So I, I just learned to stay away from some of or, you know, portion control it and so I'm not even a big fan of bread anyways, which works for keto. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know. I wish – probably everybody wishes they could say that because that's the one thing that I think people have trouble giving – well, many things that they have trouble giving up when they go keto. But, you know, they're like, oh, what do I do for a sandwich or what do I do about, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah. since you've done this for so long and so, I know you haven't been like – fully keto, but you have monitored your food for various reasons, whether it's the bodybuilding competitions or whether it's, you know, trying to control your blood sugar. Like you realized even without him telling you keto that obviously that bread might not be worth it because it just sends your blood sugar so high. 
Do you have any practical advice for people that are, you know, just starting to get the idea that, hey, maybe this reducing carbs and sugar is a good idea and how they might go about, you know, doing that in the beginning, like some things that you learned along the way? Oh, they're just starting out like yeah. keto? Yes. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. We'd also love it if you could post a review on iTunes. It helps us so much by allowing others to more easily find us. The Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast wouldn't be possible without listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Now back to the show. Uh, practical stuff. So I I count my macros. So I know like my coach gave me certain amounts to eat, but if people aren't aren't really kind of monitoring in the beginning sometimes they have no idea if they're really eating that enough percentage of the fats versus a little tiny bit of carbs and then the protein um because i've read up on some people they'll just or it seems like they just eat everything they can that has to do with fat but yes keto is high you know high fats but you need to make sure it's good fat it can't just be the disgusting like oil and you know it's it's really I like to do my research with all the all the foods and and stuff that I put in my body. So I I had to really figure out what kind of fats were good fats versus um, not you know not good fats. And I I didn't want my cholesterol to to be really bad either because of the types of fats I was eating. Because mm-hmm. initially it did spike up my cholesterol, and then I started monitoring the types of fats I ate. Um, and it sounds annoying in the beginning, but then you get used to it and you know which ones are the healthier kind. Right. And I think just to follow up on that point for people that are new, the two things that I would recommend that you avoid, by, like the plague, and there's some other, you would like this since you like research. There's some other, um, evidence right now, um, that steric acid versus linoleic acid, it has to do with polyunsaturated fats. So for, if anybody doesn't know about polyunsaturated fats, it's basically like anything that they're making into an oil that should have never been oil to start with, like yeah. soybeans or corn. Those are yeah. the two soybean, corn, canola, avoid those like the plague, basically. They're oh just, they really affect you on a cellular level. They actually tell your fat cells like not to release that it's kind of what it boils down to to put it in layman's terms but there's some interesting science around that so i love the fact that you're focused on finding you know really healthy fats to use as energy in your diet because basically fat and carbs are both energy and you're just kind of replacing one with the other basically once you go keto yeah yeah and then um for like when my my fat, uh, my uh, HDL, LDL, like initially when I first started keto, it spiked up super high. And then my doctor was like, well, I don't know if keto is good for you because look how high I am. And I said, well, if you look at the research, it's going to go up a little bit, but it depends on the, like I had to teach her about it. Um, but then it was kind of a little bit higher than I wanted. So once I focused in on the types of fats, it lowered back down. And she, my doctor, the next appointment, she's like, uh, did you stop keto? What did you do? And I was like, no, I just paid attention to what the heck I was eating. Right. Well, I think yeah. people don't realize that uh, cholesterol is is very transient marker. And there's actually this guy, Dave Feldman, that talks a lot on keto podcasts and stuff. And he does a lot of research on cholesterol. And he can manipulate cholesterol as much as 200 points in either direction <laughs> oh just by what he eats and by fasting. It's really, really interesting. So... I would just say to cons- like for everybody consider about cholesterol. It's like, well, is it? It's a it's a snapshot in time, and so especially if you're making a big change like keto, for example, yeah. you might find that those numbers 
changed quite a bit, but then your experience, it kind of all settled back down. And particularly when you were even more focused on, okay, I'm going to eat these better kinds of fats for me. And it, and it seemed to, you know, make things be more in line after a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, any particular favorite like keto substitute kind of, so, you know, because you've been around my page and stuff that I'm really about whole foods, keto and, and yeah. clean keto and all of that. But in the beginning, when people are transitioning, <laughs> well, it can be challenging, right? So were okay. there any products that you found that are kind of like little replacement kind of things or treats or something that helped it make it easier for you to transition back? I know you said you're a super focused person, so it might be easier for you, but just like yeah. for other people that oh, might. Oh no, I very, I very <laughs> sweets, but I've had to find the keto sweets instead. So not to talk bad about like the keto companies, but you know, there's a lot, just because it says keto on the bag, doesn't mean it's like good for you. Yes. <laughs> and I, learned, I had to learn that too. Cause I, cause now I look at the ingredients and I'm like, Oh, that's not good. That's not good. That's not good. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of, it just wasn't good, but I do like making like the cheesecake kind of keto versions mm -hmm. of cheesecakes. And, um, those are, those are kind of the sweets, the treats that I eat. But I use like the the swerve loaf and the sweat up kind mm -hmm. of sweetener sugar things because those didn't spike didn't spike my blood sugar. But something I don't know if other diabetics have noticed this or not that do that do keto um, soluble corn fiber. Mm -hmm. Have you heard about that? Yeah, it's well, it's <sighs> not good <laughs> in multiple ways. A lot of people I have GI issues with it. Did you yeah, have the GI or did you have the blood sugar? No. It tastes like some of this stuff. I won't name the people, but or the company, but it would tasted so good this chocolate. But then I noticed it would like just spike my blood sugars up like no other. And I kept like, what is it that's in this stuff? And so then I, you know, because I did my research more, and I found out it was the soluble corn fiber that that it was in it. And I had yeah. no idea that it affected me like that, like so bad. And come to find out, I guess like. 5% of people, it spikes up their blood sugar. Mm, like, it happened to be one. Whether you're, di whether you're diabetic or not, it just, like, spikes it up. And it's just a really, you know, if it doesn't spike it, then great. But, man, so every time I see soluble corn fiber in the ingredients of sweets and stuff, yeah. I get so bummed, especially if it tastes good. Yeah, and I can't figure out if it's more prevalent because it's a texture thing, particularly with chocolate, like you mentioned, and I think it's in a lot of ice creams as well, or if it's more about adding that fiber to the product so that they can then lower the net carbs, which is yeah. probably what it is, but. Uh, yeah, that's how they were for Man, it was just like such an eye-opening, like, I was like, oh no, this is my favorite chocolate. <laughs> so now I have to be really, I still eat some of the chocolate, but I have to be really careful. Yeah, so good reminder to people, like even if you are gonna try, particularly a packaged keto treat, that there are some extra ingredients and everyone's a little bit different. Everyone's a little bit bio-individual, so. If you really want to know if it spikes your blood sugar, which, you know, depending on what your goals are and depending on if you're diabetic at all or not, that may or may not be that much of an issue for some people. But obviously for you, it is because it affects like how much insulin you're going to need to use and how you feel and, and all of those things. So it, it just depends on people's goals, I think, whether they need to know if that spikes their blood sugar a lot, you know. I'm finally able to share some really exciting news with the Heal Nourish Grow family. After years of people telling me I should write a cookbook, I finally did. 
It's of course focused on keto recipes that are low carb and delicious, but however you choose to eat, you'll wanna have these weeknight recipes that are finished in under 30 minutes at your disposal to feed your hungry crew. The cookbook is available mid-November, so if you're listening to this, it's likely already out. Please visit cookbook.healnourishgrow.com for all the details. Any final other last thoughts on keto anything that we haven't talked about or um just that you would want to add that might give some value to people that are trying to you know figure out how to make this lifestyle sustainable well i think you have to kind of go all in like if you're going to do it you have to do your research you know educate yourself on the good foods the bad foods you know ask people that that know about it like people like you and you have all the good tips and Make sure you account for what you're eating for. Maybe, you know, talk to someone about the amounts you should be eating. Mm -hmm. And, like, really really put your effort into it to see how it is in the beginning. And if you put 100% into it and you don't end up liking it, that, you know, that's fine. It's just not for you. But who knows? You could really like it. Like, it, it could benefit, benefit you like it did with me. Um, I've had friends that, you know, they see the difference the difference in me and what I do, and they're not diabetic at all, but they're like in my boxing class or boot camps or whatever. And so they want to try the keto or just other people want to try it. And they're like, Oh, let me try it. I'll try it. And then they only do it like for like a week. And they're like, I couldn't do it. And I was like, well, did, did you see any benefit? Well, yeah, but then I want to eat the bread. <laughs> and so, they, so then they eat it and then they're eating the carbs and the fats. And I'm like, no, no you, you can't do that. <laughs> it makes it easier when you at least have some background and uh, one of the yeah. other one of the other interviews that I had we were talking about how it makes it a little easier when you figure out your why for doing this because because oh, it, yeah. it is a big lifestyle change and so um, obviously now you that you know that it can help manage your blood sugars I mean I'd imagine that's a pretty big why for you any other things that it you've yeah. noticed it affects that you would say um, why? well you know, my focus is a lot on like the, the bodybuilding and the workouts and I, I just didn't want to keep gaining weight. I wanted to lose a little bit of weight for, for bodybuilding kind of stuff, not because I thought I was fat or anything, right. but that, so that, that was the other reason that I went on it. So that was good. Um, do I, do I miss like my cinnamon toast crunch and stuff? <laughs> yes, of course I do, but you know, there'll be another time when I can have that. That's always going to be around. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Actually, just on that note, um, I one time somebody sent me this thing called Catalina Crunch that I think was pretty yep, similar to Cinnamon I eat that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I that, that one doesn't mess with your sugars? Uh, no. It Good. Awesome. That shows you how everybody's a little bit different, though, because I'm not even diabetic. And I had some. And for whatever reason, for me, it, it messed with mine. Like, I got oh, a pretty really? big, yeah, I got a pretty big increase. So... I, yeah. I don't remember if there's soluble corn fiber in there, but yeah, I just I just found that at uh, Sprouts like a month or two ago. Yeah, and I, and I one of them was cinnamon toast, like cinnamon toast or something, and I was like, mm, all right, let me try it. Like I looked at the ingredients, Great. it wasn't like too horrible, and then I was like, wow, this isn't bad. Yeah, no, that's and that is the thing. Like there's a catch twenty two with all the products because as you mentioned, they're not all good just because they say keto friendly but i do think the beauty of it is if there's something particular like you just mentioned that you really miss like that 
that if you can find a substitute, even if it's not perfect, even if it's kind of, you know, a little dirty or whatever, it it still helps people transition or it helps them with that occasional craving that they're like, oh, I just really would love to have that again, but they know it's, you know, not really in line with their goals. So they could pick something that's a little substitute instead. Well, then one of the hard things in the beginning when I was doing it was, you know, you go out with people and try, you want to eat with people too. And it's, it was kind of hard because people don't, a lot of people, they haven't done keto before. They have like, I don't know, kind of a bad, I don't know what the word is. Like just, oh, you're doing keto? And yeah. I'm like, yes, yes I am. Like, <laughs> so I always try to look ahead of time wherever we would go out to eat and like look at the menu and. I mean, it's not that hard to order stuff that doesn't have that much carbs in it. So you just you just have to think about it like ahead of time too. Yeah, that's another great. Yeah, that's another great tip is look at the menu ahead of time. That way the decision's kind of already made. You don't have the temptations. You know that it's going to work for you and just move on. But keto keto is a lot more popular in these past few years, right? Yeah. So even like restaurants and stuff, they have keto options too. So. Yeah, actually, I was shocked. So last uh, January of 2020, right before the whole COVID business went down, I was in Banff snowboarding, and we went somewhere for breakfast, and they had, like, two or three, like, fully, like, keto section that said keto meal. And I was just like, leave it to Canada, right? They They always do it right up there. But I was like, that was so amazing to just see keto on a menu without any modifications, didn't have to, you know, order. And it came, it was like bacon and avocado um maybe a couple berry i don't know it was an amazing breakfast eggs of yeah. course um and it's like how hard is that it's not hard at all yeah. well how hard is it just to order an omelet like right. without hash browns right or without <laughs> toast that's hard. yeah yeah it's totally not that hard right. <laughs> well um thank you so much for joining us today i'm so happy to have finally gotten to talk to you in person instead of just yeah. on instagram and um let me know if you have any final little thought here that you want to share with people. But other than that, I think we've uh, had a great little chat. Yeah. I mean, if anybody has any questions as far as like the working out and diabetes and keto, it's yes. And obviously I, where I mean, can they find you all of the social media, yeah. all of the websites, all of that stuff. I, I'm not a doctor or anything, but I can tell you my experience. <laughs> um, so you, just on Instagram, it's at cornut 34. It's C O R N U T three, four. Okay. And that'll be obviously in the show notes as well. And so that's the best way to, for people to contact you if they have questions. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. I really appreciate you joining us. This has been the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast. Again, I'm Cheryl McColgan, founder of Heal, Nourish, Grow. You can find show notes for this episode at healnourishgrowpodcast.com. If you have feedback on today's episode or questions about the content, please email us at podcast at healnourishgrow.com. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to sign up for our email list at healnourishgrow.com and subscribe to the show with your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. Join us next time for more information that helps you live your best and healthiest life. Thanks for listening. Content on the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast does not constitute medical advice. Content contained in the Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast is not intended as medical diagnosis or treatment. Neither the company nor its owner, Heal, Nourish, Grow, LLC, nor any of the company's employees, agents, or guest speakers provide medical advice. The content provided on Heal, Nourish, Grow podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your medical provider with any questions about what health practices are right for you.